you guys. Okay. Anyway, hello, hello. This is Baked and Bookish with your hosts, Maggie Boyer. And Savannah Cruz. And we are joined by the lovely Dylan J. Crenshaw. Dylan is a comedian, producer, and maybe poet. He is from the south of England. He hosts the comedy poetry podcast, I Hate Poetry, and occasionally does stand-up comedy. Hello, Dylan. Thank you for being with us. No, no, thank you for having me. It's It feels weird having this your way around. You're usually on our show. I feel like a proper podcast swinger now. I was just on um, Poetry for Your Ears, actually, and oh, yes. on your podcast, so I feel like this is just getting really messy here. <laughs> Full circle. It is. Yeah. Yeah. We're spreading it all around. We are. Well, so my co-hosts are worried that they're not going to be able to carry the podcast, so I guess that that means all the comedy is going to be on me. <laughs> That's right. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> Entirely in her corner. Okay, okay. That sounds fair. That sounds fair. We are talking about Animal Farm today, which I feel like is within my wheelhouse, you know, being a communism book. But, uh, <laughs> but I will say this book was pretty dry to me. So we'll see how I, how I do with it. Can I just say quickly before we go into it, because I feel like I need to address the elephant in the room, right? This is called Baked and Bookish, right? Yes. So I can't officially say the baked part because it's illegal in the UK, as you know. So I, yeah, I'll say I've had lots of coffee. Ah, you know, I mean, we're getting, it's early morning here on our side. So, you know, you put cream in your coffee, put oil, whatever you want in your coffee. It's all right. So we'll get to our uh, weed pairing for Savannah and I in just a moment. We are reading Animal Farm. We chose Animal Farm because Savannah actually never read it in high school. And I feel like we're supposed to read it in high school. I feel like I read it in high school. I definitely read it in high school. You're supposed to do a lot of things in the uh, American educational system, Maggie. But uh, (laughs) we all know how that goes down. (laughs) Does anybody check in America? (laughs) I actually, fun fact. I was a part of the, um, Dylan, you might not know this program, um, but I was part of the No Child Left Behind program. I failed my third grade math uh, final exams. Wow. And they went ahead and let me go on to fourth grade because our president was like, no child left behind. Even if they fail, they can keep going. And God bless, because we would have never met if we were in different grades. That's true. That's so, so thanks, president. I think that was, like, a bush, though, so... Oh. Yikes. They did Uh, for me, I guess. I think they really just wanted people to graduate and go into the workforce, but that's a whole other thing. Yikes, big yikes. A win is a win. A win is a win. (laughs) I have this issue, so my partner isn't on, like, any social media, really, but um, especially not, like, TikTok or anything. He's mainly on like Reddit. So he doesn't get any of the like reels or TikToks, um, like the audios. And so he sees memes as still just like a comic or something. And I see memes in like a whole broader sense now. I see memes as like, you know, there's still memes. I just downloaded a whole meme template that I can't wait to post, like, you know. But I also think in audio memes now uh as a social media manager and so i'm always like saying random like tiktok audios and it's like what are you talking about so 
pet. Um, so yeah, Savannah never read Animal Farm in high school. And uh, I don't know that anybody's, I mean, like, I don't know what the high schoolers read nowadays. Do they read Animal Farm? No, I think that I read 1985 was pretty much the only dystopian or like anti-government book that I read. Okay, okay. Well, I read both of them. I don't really remember the other one, but I do remember Animal Farm and then I We are going to be pairing Animal Farm with, I already took a bad dab because I didn't think that this was going to be enough for me for this episode, but we are going to be pairing with some CBD cigarettes because I felt like that was really representative of Animal Farm. I felt like, I don't know, I could just see, I could just see what are their, I don't even remember the animals' names at this point, honestly, Napoleon? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I get to see Napoleon sitting on the porch on like the the old man's porch, just chain smoking with the old man's CBD cigarettes he found. So I felt like that was the perfect week pairing. But again, it wasn't going to get me high enough because it wasn't really going to get me high at all. So <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about George Orwell, Savannah. Okay, so I did not know this going in, but George Orwell is a pen name. <laughs> I had no idea. I thought that that was his legitimate name. Maybe I'm just behind the time since uh, I didn't read this in high school. But he was born in 1903 in England. He published Animal Farm in 1945 as a representation of the Russian Revolution and its aftermath. And then I've got like a like a quote from somebody. I did not come up with this. It's a work characterized by lucid prose, social criticism, opposition to totalitarianism, and support of democratic socialism. The Times voted this book one of the best English language novels between 1923 and 2005. It's real name Eric Arthur Blair. Take that, J.K. Rowling. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what a strange time frame too honestly no before i read that i was like what i what is that like that's not like a hundred years like it's almost a hundred years it's not even 85 years or something mm. exactly i was so confused i don't even know how to do math but to be honest i just assume that the times knows better than me a person who hasn't even read animal farm I mean, like, maybe that's, like, a literary time frame, but that still doesn't, that doesn't feel like a literary time, well, it kind of does, actually, just kidding. English over me. I don't know anything that's about that. That's kind of, like, I feel like modern, modern is an hour, like, post, I don't know, but, like, I feel like 2005 kind of, like, marked the time of, like, the starting dystopian novels and stuff, so maybe it, maybe it is a time frame. I'll give the times that. I'll, I'll allow it times. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Okay. I just do a summary of Animal Farm. This is going to be interesting. <laughs> it's a long drag of a cigarette. Okay. So, Animal Farm. Basically, a bunch of animals lived on a farm, and they had consciousness. They talked to each other. I mean, our animals could do the same thing. Who knows? And they lived under the reign of a really shitty farmer. Um, his name's like Jim Jones. Jones, Mr. Jones. And, um is a really shit bag who's a drunk and then everybody all the animals decide to you know rise up at the behest of the pigs and then they run off the lead pig one of the pigs runs him off and then basically takes control and it becomes you know the same kind of evil guy but it's over time and it's slowly he is like he was really interesting sorry guys 
What's really good in there? You're good out there. They have like they they overthrow him and they come up with these ten commandments or whatever, you know, the like list of rules. And over time, they slowly like manipulate those rules and change them. And none of the animals can really read, so they just kind of like manipulate the holes in the ignorance of the other animals. And then all the pigs kind of like are the leaders. And eventually, they move into the farmer's house and they turn basically into the human farmers. And they have some like battles with the humans and stuff but it's all kind of just like uh distraction and manipulation really dude the battles i'm sorry i know we'll get there but that was the weirdest thing to read <laughs> the battles between humans and animals i was like oh i don't know about this i feel like those were honestly the most entertaining parts yeah that's true there was actually something happening yeah I didn't yeah. want anyone to die i didn't want any of the animals to die that's what i was i was just panicking whilst i was reading that I was like, oh, I'm starting to get hungry as well, you know? <laughs> I was, like, really here for the horses, honestly. Yeah. Like, the horses and, like, the donkeys and the oxes and stuff. You're right. Like, I didn't want any of them to die. But honestly, like, Snowball, too. Like, when Snowball got injured, I was like, oh, Snow. Yeah. <laughs> what? Snowball? Oh, okay, so Snowball. I kind of didn't really go over who Snowball is. Snowball is one of being lead pigs. I did a really shitty job on this summary on this Never Twilight episode. I did a much better job, and you can see which book I'm obsessed with. But Snowball is one of the lead pigs. He and Napoleon are basically like lead pigs, and Napoleon's the one that like chases him out secretly. Snowball gets injured in the battle. I'm like, oh no, Snowball. Because Snowball is kind of like the really cool revolutionary. Like, you know, Snowball is the one that like actually wants to help the animals. I don't know. Yeah. And it's the the metaphors, the layers, they're there. They're there. It's really reminding me of working class history. So. What even happens to Snowball? I feel like he should get a sequel because we didn't, he got ousted out, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And we never hear about him again. And you're right. He does deserve a sequel. Oh my God. Do like a Puss in Boots type single film that Hollywood's just going to spit out. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like now a lot of the authors I read, they come out with like little like mini like half books, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Where it's like little micro stories. And like, I feel like you're right. Snowball needs his own micro story. Although Animal Farm kind of is a micro story already. So that's true. That's true. Absolutely. I don't know how you do like a micro story, a lot of micro story. So, like, I just love the speeches in Animal Farm. That's what I really love. Just all the working class speeches. Like, it really is working class history. Like, we don't... Honestly, I'm really surprised we read this book in school. Because we don't learn anything about working class history in school. Right. They really don't teach anything about working class history in school. I don't know about in the UK. But, like, I doubt it there either, really. Um, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So, um, I just really love, like, all the speeches, because, like, that did happen, and that does happen, so. Yeah, I mean, when I first picked up the novel, right, so I hadn't read it as well. Okay, hands up. I'd, well, I'd read the other one. I know, I'm sorry. Yeah. So I revealed it now. Um, <laughs> I thought, right, when I first read it, that it was, like, a cute sort of Disney film, right? Because it's talking animals, and then they sing. Come on, guys, they sing. Right. I told Maggie it was like an emotional roller coaster going from that and then as it like I'm like, oh yes, they're pulling themselves up, they're doing great things, things yeah. are moving, and then I'm like, oh, this stepped yes. in a whole new territory towards the <laughs> Literally. If you like 
if you split the book halfway, it's like a really nice vegan story that I can get behind, you know? Yeah. Um, that's why I, I just felt really guilty still eating meat now and again whilst reading it. That, that was my first impression of it. I get that. I get that. You gotta like find some uh, ethical farmers, some not your giants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I can see that though. Like, you think it's like a Disney film. You're right. Like, it's like Bambi. Mm-hmm. It's literally Bambi, but for farm animals. Basically, yeah. I was trying to figure out where it was based because I assumed it was England, but it's called w- Willingdon or something. And there's no such place called Willingdon. And it sounds English. It sounds like an English name. And I looked at Willingdon and it's in Canada. So I was really confused already. I was like, what? why is this random place in Canada? And then obviously I worked out it was an imaginary place, fictional, with an English name. So there you go. Wow, you worked out that a fictional book has a fictional place. Yeah, I know. It took me a while, but yeah. <laughs> After the talking animals, you know, it was all over the place. <laughs> oh, boy. That's funny. And you were like, hmm, I wonder where in England I can go meet these talking animals. Yeah, yeah, literally. That's <laughs> Sounds like a good time for me. Yeah. I mean, if an animal could talk, like, I really don't think I could ever eat meat again. Yes. Yeah. That's what the vegans should put their efforts towards. <laughs> teaching <laughs> linguistical skills to animals. Which is fuck then. Yes. <laughs> I wrote these notes on Animal Farm, and now I'm just like, Animal Farm was so boring. <laughs> yeah. I feel really bad saying that, but I really, like... Yeah, Savannah says it was an emotional roller coaster, and in some ways it was. And like, I really do. My cat is screaming out there. He is mad. Okay, so animals can talk, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm gathering. He's screaming for our attention. But no, I mean, like, it is an emotional roller coaster, and like, I do like the working class history and stuff, but it's so boring. Yes, it was very boring. I was just so invested in this, like, beautiful, like you said, like, this pristine beginning. And you're like, oh, yes, the animals. I'm, like, all on their side. And then shit just goes south. And not in a fun way. Yes, I know. I know, literally. It's, like, I feel like we talk about, like, Snowball. And Snowball just became the scapegoat. And I feel like a lot of times we just look for a scapegoat and i think like, honestly that's like the warning okay here's something we can take away from animal farm make it a little less boring i feel like it's a good warning to us all like not to find a scapegoat like now i'm about to get political <laughs> like if we're really trying to like change the world or you know make systems better or not like what they are like maybe we shouldn't other groups of people that we see as the problem like even if it's rich people even if it's you know even if it's uh, shouldn't oh God, even bezos i guess we shouldn't oh, we shouldn't like make a scapegoat out of anybody it's like okay well we still created a system that bezos, bezos yes 100 you know? I feel strange that it, it they say it's about the Russian re- revolution, right? But I feel like it could be any part of history. Do you know what I mean? Like, that was going through my head. Like, slavery, all that kind of... Because like, they were enslaved, right? The animals. And it's like, there's so many different times it could be. Like, the Russian revolution is such a weird thing to pinpoint it to. Apparently, that was successful as well. I looked at it. I was like, is it the same thing? The same thing happened where they were soft? 
afterwards apparently it was better so i don't know how it can relate to that if you know what i mean well okay that's what's interesting talking about history is i was just talking to savannah about the dangers of a single story there's like a ted talk i was forced to watch like in three classes and then it's actually now one of my favorite ted talks so uh go look it up a danger of a single story it really talks about just like if you focus on like one perspective then you kind of get the wrong story and it's like i the starting span about like China in particular, but like Russia too. You know, we talk about like Russia as like this bad place. And I'm not saying like Russia has really bad things and they're doing really bad things right now. But that doesn't mean everything is that if you look back at the Russian Revolution, rent prices were supposed to be like one to two percent of people's income during Soviet Russian times and even like right after Soviet Russia. So again, I'm not saying Soviet Russia was good or like all hunky dory, but they were able to keep rent low for their people, you know? Maybe we could learn from that instead of like making them an enemy, like evil. Like, let's say, like, oh, let's learn from where they were right and let's not make the same mistakes. I agree. I agree. Well done, Maggie. You made a valid point there out of thin air, it seems. (laughs) I mean, I've been thinking about this, just like the whole common enemy. Anyway, if you can't tell, I'm a little bit political in my personal life. I was about to say, these are not my high thoughts at all. (laughs) Well, you know what (laughs) Maggie, you are so impressive. (laughs) I just like to cook for my local comrades and so you know i think about these things i'm like i'm cooking i'm stoned because you gotta be stoned to cook and yeah put the good love in the cook and um you're you're cooking for your comrades and you're just thinking about theory as you're stoned in the kitchen you know that's my life at least wow aspirational yeah yeah i agree I, I do agree, though. I, I'm not political, really, more and more, because it really turns me off. Like, I would say I've got a pretty limpy political penis, as I put it, because, like, people just get turned off so much. As soon as you put, like, politics in your stand-up, I, no one wants to hear it. You're not going to be on the right side. You just never are. So I've given up. I've given up. Absolutely fair. And that's why I think, yeah, it's not about being on any side. I think that it's about being there for people. Um, yeah. My partner was, like, getting his tire changed, and he was with like some really conservative guy he's more liberal and we were talking and they were like oh we're not going to agree on like what to do with this that and the other but then they actually like got really to talking and they were like at the end of the day we really just want our potholes filled and our fridges full and this that and the other and they have like all the same issues and like all the same desires and wants and so you know when you strip it all down it's not about politics it's about meeting the needs of every everybody i feel like in america though your political system's a lot more varied like in the uk you're either liberal or you're conservative you're not halfway you don't have any midpoints you can't have mixed opinions that's how sort of difficult it is to get to even start a conversation but in america in there too Really? Mm-hmm. Fair I enough. Especially over the last few years, and I'm like, not like necessarily on either side. I kind of like removed myself from either side. And again, it's about like meeting the needs of the people in my community and like cooking for the people in my community rather than like thinking politically, which it's still, it seems like it's actually a really radical act. Like I was just talking to somebody about like, Food not bombs in our area is like looking for more members. And I was like, actually, do you know food not bombs has been labeled a terrorist organization in the past? Because feeding poor people is more dangerous than weapons. That's more my, if, if we're talking political, I'm more like, let's just take care of my community. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, you're right. Like, it's just gotten very divided ever since, like, Donald Trump in our country. It's been, it's been very much like you can be one side or the other. And Andrew Tate. The two, oh, yeah. the two guys. Guys. Uh, I mean, as long as you don't like it, we're all good. That's, that's my political stance. Gosh. Yeah. But then on the other side, like, we have, like, Bernie and things like that that people think are, like, really radical on the opposite end. And so it's, like, I don't want to be, like, oh, it's just Donald Trump. Like, it's just, like, our political yeah. system. And, like, having only two parties, too. I mean, that's, like, mm-hmm. what George Washington said was, like, a danger. And I think yeah. that also, like, kind of what we're getting from Animal Farm is a danger. Is, like, having a dominant party or two dominant parties, the humans and the animals. And then, like, making a scapegoat of the other party. And yeah. Also, the uh, politicians being animals as well. That's another avenue. Either drugs or animals. <laughs> yep, basically. Wow, we got really deep and political there. Sorry, guys. I think it's because we're to read Animal Farm. I don't know how you talk about Animal Farm without getting slightly political. That's oh. true. But can y'all remember the commandments at the beginning? Yes, I was going to say, I felt like that was like a lot of foreshadowing. Like... Mm. We're literally just talking about George Washington, like, um, foreshadowing, like, he's like, oh, don't let this shit happen, and then it happened. Yeah, absolutely. It's in nature, um, I think, when you have power. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Human nature, I say, about pigs. <laughs> Pig caricatures, you know? That's true. That's fair. They are a metaphor. They're not just pigs. They're a metaphor. Right. The commandments were like, don't stand on two legs, right? Yeah. Something like that. Like, yeah. Animals are so cute on their hind legs, though. Who would put that rule in? Have you ever seen cats on their hind legs? It's so adorable. I about to say my little cat, she always, like, she stands on her hind legs and, like, raises her little paws up for her attention and love. Yeah. It's so cute. It's the cutest. Savannah hasn't seen it because that's MJ. Um, MJ hides from all humanity when there are people in the house. Savannah's met MJ now, but she hasn't stand, stood on her hind legs. Poor Savannah. I don't have tummy access yet. <laughs> Fair enough. Takes a while. Yeah, the hind legs thing, the luxury thing, like like no one will wear like human things. I don't think we'll wrap on my friend. My friend is more revolutionary, but she's also of the mind that like poor people deserve nice things and like deserve luxury. And so I thinking about Molly and <laughs> Molly and her ribbons. Molly yeah. is pretty. Molly is not for the human gaze, you know? It's not to feel like a human. It's not to be, you know, controlled by the humans. And yet they're like, no, you can't do that. It's like, why not? Why, why the fuck not? Why can't she? Why can't she have a ribbon in her hair? She wants to feel pretty. Molly had simple needs. Yeah. It's like it's not anything that, like, harms anyone. And so it's like, why? True, true. But I feel like that was George Orwell going, oh, well, like, because all the, all the, I think the, the, the pigs that were in charge were all males, right? Mm-hmm. And Molly was a female. And I feel like that was his way of going, you go play with the pretty things while the men do the work. That's what I feel like mm-hmm. very much of his time, you know? Dylan, you just blew my mind. Like, me, poet. Like, you're, like, reading I can see Andrew Tate from a mile away. Trust oh me. <laughs> I really think that um, working on I Hate Poetry has just made you a literary genius. Yes. Thank oh. you. Tell yeah. Charlie, please. 
taught you well. He's taught you well. Did you um get that from him? Did he tell you to say that about no, I haven't actually told him I was, I'm doing this yet. Um, I'm going to send it to him and I'll be like, look, I did it without you. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I need, to, I need to prove myself a bit, you know. Oh my God, poor, poor Charlie. Charlie bit my finger. <laughs> that was a convincing British accent, actually. Um, for the first American has done. <laughs> It's just the one. It's I, I'm really bad at accents, or I'm just good at imp- impressions. I'm good at impressions. Okay, fair enough. I I do feel though, like I do water down the podcast a lot, like because I I'm I'm meant to be the comedian on it, so I sort of have to dumb down my observations a bit. So I feel like you know this is me doing my sort of Beyonce approach now. You know, um, you've still got the humor going. You're still, oh, you're still funny. Thank you. Oh. Aw, wait, are you dumbing yourself down like Molly? You like like women? Aw. I just thought there's pretty ribbons. What can I say, you know? <laughs> no, I think that that's actually like a brilliant observation. And like, yeah, I think that also like men don't realize how nice luxury is until they like accept it. And I think that it's like a very, you have to be in the upper class to like be allowed to accept that like luxury as a man, maybe. Uh Just took all the pigs. Oh my God, you're right, Savannah. Once the pigs like get into that really upper class, they start to indulge in those same looks. Oh my God, you guys are blowing my mind. Mine was the English major here, okay? I was the English major here. I'm the only one that read this book before. (laughs) I feel like we're just leaving breadcrumbs and I'm able to like follow along the way and kind of figure it out. <laughs> yeah. That's sweet. That's sweet. I'll, I'll allow it. Wasn't Boxer also a horse? Boxer was, I think, a horse. And yeah. he didn't indulge in his luxuries. And like what I'm thinking is like, I think so often like guys don't indulge in luxury and like I think they deserve to. That's nice. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Like, we do a nice face mask as women, and like I feel like guys maybe just don't break out as much because they don't wear makeup. But well, I think white straight males deserve nothing, Maggie. How about on time? <laughs> they deserve anything nice ever. I mean, that's fair. You guys have already gotten everything nice. Um, uh, like, what about a black man? Doesn't he deserve some nice luxury? Obviously, like, I'm just yeah. talking about my my sort of white straight male privilege, you know. Say so. a way to allow, like you're you're pulling, you're Mr. Jones. You got to get chased off the farm real quick. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> so that's my comedy career, basically. To be honest, when I feel definitely like boxer, like I work, like this is society tells me I have to work and grind and take as little time off as possible so that I can retire and they keep pushing the date when you can retire and actually live your life back so far so that really hurt me like whatever he got picked up by the glue factory people mine were shattered that's an emotional moment I think in the book because like all the other animals like start running after him and that's just like pretty heart-wrenching and I I really think that yeah that's that's the heart-wrenching part I think of the whole thing I think that's kind of the most emotional moment, to me at least, um, of it all. I think there there weren't many moments where I was like, I'm going to cry. Um, and I didn't cry at this moment, but like, I maybe could have. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't put this in a Disney film, to be honest. I'm like, I know Disney films are meant to be sweet and innocent, but imagine that with a political message at the end. That would blow my mind. Yeah, but does Disney really want this political message out there? 
That's that's a good point. Yeah, that's it. I mean, think about like Goofy. I mean, he plays Goofy like at the place. He's he's an animal who's indentured to Disney for very low wages. I mean, yeah, yeah, can bring him any guy. True, real life Animal Farm playing out of the park. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm not even anti-Disney parks. I mean, my brothers just went. Um, so, And they were really cute. I was showing Savannah the pictures. And they aren't cute. So. They were so cute. Can't even be. Ah. Ah. See, it's like how, like, how do you have luxury without hurting other people? And what's, it's like Molly's ribbons weren't hurting anybody. But, like, at what point does luxury then begin to harm other people? Like, what point do, like... You have luxury at the expense of others. Mm, yeah. They say that's what's the difference between a millionaire and a billionaire. I think you can get, you can become a millionaire and still be ethical, but billionaire, that's a lot of money. You know, what are you extorting to, to get to that, to that level? Precisely. Precisely. I think I've just read something recently that was like a 5% billionaire tax, like lift like 6 billion people out of poverty. Wow. Amazing. Um, it would basically be like, our whole planet is doing a lot better. That's crazy. So we talk about like gaslighting. I feel like we're all being gaslit. And I this book is just like so applicable. Dylan was right. Like he's talking about like, oh, it's not just Russia that this is like an applicable to. Like it's they're they're the animals are like slaves. They're, you know, working class currently, um, I feel like is still very represented in this book. Um, and working class at like all times. And so, like, the gaslighting we're experiencing as a world. I think I was watching something, and it was like Bill Gates was talking, and he was like, they were like, so how much do you think some uh, Tostino pizza rolls are, Bill Gates? And he was like, I don't know, like, $24? Bro! Like, our minimum wage is seven twenty-five, Dylan. That's crazy. Although, I feel like that is gaslighting, because, like... You're saying that rich people are out of touch, you know, they, they're doing it on purpose. I, I, if it was me, if I was Bill Gates, I'd do it, I'd, you know, on purpose. I'd be like, well, here's a grand, that should cover it, right? And I'd just go, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, screw it. I, I, I know I'm being gaslit. It's ridiculous that people go along with it. I can't believe you went along with it. It's so ridiculous. Like, I'm just like, Bill Gates, do you really think that somebody should work literally like how many hours? Like four hours to be able to afford dinner of toasty little pizza rolls? And that's it. Like, no other sides, no drinks, nothing. Just Tostino pizza rolls. Ridiculous. Ah, and so it's just, like, how out of touch they are and, like, that the gaslight is and, like, about climate change and things are global warming. I, I don't know which one we're supposed to call it. See, they've gaslit me so much that I don't know which one is what it's really supposed to be called these days. Like, and not, like, oh, what it's really supposed to be called, like, oh, which one's, like, scientifically accurate, but, like, which one's accurate for, like, what we need to be doing. You know, like one scientist was like, oh, don't call it, I can't remember which one it was. Don't call it this because it like takes away our power. Yeah. And, and allows them to like be like, oh, it's, there's nothing, nothing we can do. I think oh. we just should ask for the atmosphere's pronouns. I think that would be the easiest thing to do, to be honest. I agree. <laughs> we should not be labeling anything until we know. Get your ass in. More cats, please. That That's great. Thank you. Wow. Um, my cat was banging on the door. He was like, I think all three of my cats are in this bedroom right now with me. Nice. Animal Farm is really 
coming coming together in my my room right now. That's funny. Well, like we're thinking about the gaslighting in the book. It's like they're rewriting the rules. Oh. <laughs> right in front of everybody and then totally gaslighting that they were ever different and i thought that was so interesting like how how many of them just went along with it knowing that it was wrong mm. and at one point does it become like deadly to do that you know true although i would argue that gaslighting is quite a recent term right i would say it's quite a sort of millennial term i don't think in the 80s well, there's a movie what's the movie about gaslighting when did that movie come out there is a movie hold on is that the gaslighting movie came out in 1940s in the 1940s oh really i didn't know it was a term of saying at all. yeah basically in the movie like the guy like keeps messing with the electricity or something and then like, gaslights the woman into thinking she's crazy and she like starts freaking out about this house and, wow like has like panic attacks and stuff or something i haven't watched the movie i've just heard that that's where the term like kind of originated from amazing yeah so yeah there's like a lot of gaslighting in this like rewriting the rules right in front of them and just like I mean, they were supposed to, like, give them things, like, heat up the beds and, like, things like that. And then they're just like, nah, we're just going to go into this house and not give you guys anything. <laughs> and so it's like, and, and gaslighting and, like, that we're work the animals are working harder. And so in theory, they should be getting more, but it's just being taken from them. And they're like, where is this all going? Like, we're working harder. We're producing more these days. Where is it all going? And I feel like that's, like, very applicable to nowadays. Like, we all work really hard, and it's like, where does our, our effort go? Yeah, 100%. I agree. Also, we've talked about this with every book this season, and I just, I have to point it out with every book because I think it's important. I think that it's something that, like, if we're aware of the language, we can change it. Um, the subtle ableism in the book as well. Um, words like stupid and things like that. Um, uh, again, most people don't think of the word stupid as an ableist term, but like they're constantly like, oh, we can like manipulate these people because they're the stupidest animal and things like that. And it's like, um, does somebody in the intellect mean that they deserve to be manipulated? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, no. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's also a play on the on the fact that people think that pigs are stupid and I think there's a whole different dimension of ableism and that kind of thing is what you see from the outside. Yeah. I mean, so often like with autistic people think people think that like yeah. Oh, yeah. they're stupid because of mm. the way that they look or speak yeah. or something like that. But oftentimes they're really smart and even if that single individual isn't as smart, does that mean that they're less deserving of the nice amenities that the pigs get no and so yeah it's and to be manipulated and gaslit does somebody's intelligence mean that they deserve to be gaslit mm. so all of those things like they and just gets me in every book because like and this is not even the worst book on it in fact that like we read this season you know again like most people don't consider the term like stupid ableist but it is in essence and when we're breaking down like that idea of gaslighting and intelligence you really kind of see that link between that ableism 
it's so casual you can't even sometimes even notice it you know exactly and i do it like i catch myself like saying words like that still and like catching myself and having to correct myself but again it's just like pointing it out and pointing out like i think it's it's one thing to point out the language and just be like oh don't say the word stupid but once you point out that connection between the manipulation and the intelligence i think it's more understandable why it's important not to do that Absolutely. Sorry to drag all the humor out of this conversation, but um, had to go there real quick. Um, every every book I I say this because every book has a term. Every book has a term. So again, it's not something to call out George Orwell. And I feel like back then it was even less politically incorrect. You can only do better now, I guess. Yeah. So the idea that like imperialism. Let's talk about imperialism. This episode's super political. When I was like, you're going to take over because this whole episode is about like theory and politics. But it's Animal Farm. Like, I don't know what else to talk about with Animal Farm. You know, like, what else is a thing? The book is so boring. The only thing to talk about is the theory. So, like, imperialism is like going to other places and like taking them over, right? He wants to go to all of the other farms and have the animals uprise. And it shows that, like, even communism can be imperialist. Mm, absolutely be imperialistic and like is the bad part like capitalism democracy communism etc or is it imperialism and power that's it isn't it and at what point do you do you do you stop it because the british empire went on for a fucking long time and it's like yeah what at what point is it at what point is it worse because it reminds me of um when uh the british empire got dissolved and they uh africa was one of the last places that we we basically abandoned and four years after abandoning they had a massive drought and that's you know one of the reasons africa's so poor but sorry it's no i mean like it's one of the reasons like when you abandoned them and then they went through Yeah, a massive natural disaster. It makes sense. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's almost like Animal Farm. They're now worse off. You know, we shouldn't have intervened. And I feel like it's a lot of indigenous populations and the past they've had with imperialistic nations. So yeah, uh, it does make you think. Yeah, it makes you think. It's like the it's it and my dad and I are having a conversation about like the difference between like traveling and like moving somewhere and imperialism. Mm-hmm. And just like the idea of like dominating another culture with your culture and then potentially like abandoning them within the issues that are foreign to their people. And yeah, I think that this really shows that like idea that leave each thing to be whatever they're going to be. Absolutely. I'm not saying that's like necessarily, I'm, I'm also like not a world leader. Like it's way easier. Really? about these things is very than it is to like implement them um so i'm also like grossly simplifying some of these issues too so putting that out there for all the listeners don't worry i understand a lot of this is gross simplification it's just more drawing out the ideas that the book is talking about versus necessarily like my own opinions or like the full nuance of each of these situations it's more just like what is the book kind of talking about nice disclaimer that i got one death threat Fair enough, fair enough. Oh, I mean, I don't think any of our listeners would send me death threats. We have some real nice listeners. It's nice. You never know. You never know. It's not not like this episode is controversial. It's not like you haven't mentioned Russia, Andrew Tate, Donald Trump, Republicans. (laughs) We're good. We're good. Don't worry. I mean, I think you're the one bringing up Andrew Tate. So I think that you're bringing on some of these death threats. Maybe I should just 
cut your entire <laughs> i'll just be talking to myself and then savannah will pipe in here and there and it'll be perfect just she'll overdub me it's all good <laughs> god savannah do your best british accent my best british oh god oh god i feel like i'm laughing too hard now i did my british accent you who was I impersonating? What was I? I said, I really don't know. The Queen? <laughs> no, I don't know. I was I impersonated somebody and it was pretty good though. Um so you yeah. listen to the whole episode basically is I mean if you got this far you heard the impersonation. Yeah, true, true. That's yeah. <laughs> and, okay. Okay, moving on. We talked about imperialism for probably longer than we <laughs> just like we're talking about Russia, the parallels. Maybe I shouldn't say that the parallels between Putin and Napoleon. Okay. Oh my God. You're just racking up the cow. Notice I've not had to make one PC like announcement to everybody that like I don't <laughs> I don't mean to be offensive. My dad and I got in a really heated argument one day about indigenous people and land rights. That's an average, average argument, a- average family argument that is, isn't it? Yeah. And, um, he, he was saying something. He's like, I'm just being the, the devil's advocate or whatever. Oh, God, right? Like, I'm just being devil's advocate. It's whenever a white straight man says that. But, oh, but he says he's being the devil's advocate. And I start screaming at him. I'm like, <laughs> my, my siblings in the other room comes out of the shower and like, I mean, okay, I don't like an adult at this point. Like, I'm just hanging out with my dad. Like, you know, I don't live there. I'm just, you know, yelling at him about indigenous people as one does as an adult. About respecting the indigenous people. Like, let's phrase it like that, because that's what the situation is. That's true. God. Oh, and my dad looks at me and he's like, you know, it's okay, though, because we need people like you. You push the world forward, but nobody's ever going to listen to you. Oh, like, he's like they will but they won't and i was like dad burn great dad burns thanks appreciate it but so, like, um, negative reinforcement though he's like trying to like get you to you know become a an activist a resilient activist and like it kind of goes into the complacency of the pigs is my dad a pig like um i know <laughs> i love you um, my dad is definitely gonna listen to this episode too, so, um, but, no, like, are, are really just anybody in that class, and then that, like, you know, not anybody, that's not an exaggeration, but are, like, most people in that, that income bracket, in that age bracket, in those things, are, like, are they pigs, where, like, they start with these revolutionary ideas, but then become complacent, and they're reaping the benefits of that system, like, I mean, my dad owns a house, like, you know, I mean, as many 30-year-olds do or whatever, but, like, you know, do you become complacent and become a pig at some point, like, and then a pig become a human, you know? Right, that ending was so weird. I was high as fuck and I was reading it, and I was like, why am I reading about the stature of this pig, like, at the table and everything? Like, what's, what is this? And then I put two and two together, and I was like, oh. I don't know that that was necessary, but what an ending. I thought like that was my favorite part. What about you? What did you think? Yeah, I don't know. It was, I, I was so with the positivity of the animals talking. And I honestly thought that 
they would figure it out. Like, I thought this could only go one way, and that was positive. Like, I was actually quite disappointed at the ending. It's kind of like when they say they're going to do a season two in a Netflix series. You're like, you don't need it. You don't, why? Why have you ended it like that? Do you know what I mean? I feel like there's more to come. It should have been a sequel to something. You're right. There, I really feel like we could have gotten the snowball story, and it would have been really cool. Like, if we have gotten a snowball redeeming arc, like snowball coming to the farm. But at the same time... I mean, George Orwell never saw things working out. I mean, like, Samantha and I talk about manifestation. So is he manifesting it to continue by not, like, showing a way out and, like, inspiring his readers to really engage in revolutionary activities? But at the same time, he never really got to see anything, like, pan out. He just saw corruption, bigot corruption, you know? And so he was just kind of like telling an honest story. I'm like, I agree with you. It sucks. It's, it's, a, it's a sucky ending. You want them to succeed. I'd want us to succeed. But at that point, George Orwell had like never seen anything successful. And I feel like he was trying to be like really realistic. But at the same time, if he had been more revolutionary, maybe, maybe people would have gotten excited. Yeah. Yeah, it's because I just, I studied the Russian Revolution in school. And from what I remembered, it turned out to be a good thing because they crushed their monarchy, right? So that's why I expected a good ending. That's why I expected it to be positive in the end. Yeah. That is a very good reason. That is true. I guess George Orwell was like, I wrote a cautionary tale and they won't take me serious. So like, unless I ended on such a negative note that they'll never want to do it again. Yeah. To say sometimes like I look at Orwell and I'm like oh cool he's like all about the socialism and stuff like that but at the same time a lot of his tales are like really cautionary about like socialism and communism and things and I, I do think that maybe he's just like oh the way we go about our tyranny is really easy to fall into um no matter the kind of government even the one that we see for the you know, the other thing is, is they say it's about the Russian re- re- Revolution. Um, gosh, we've said Russia so many times. The CIA is going to take off your podcast, Russia. Um, I, I, it's funny because obviously he's an English author and it's based in England. And I feel like we as English people have been like had an ongoing revolution because some people love our monarchy. Some people fucking hate it. Tell me how you really feel. I do what? I feel, right, okay, I, I feel that the monarchy is a nice thing. Like, it's, I think in the last few years, it's been sort of associated with sort of a right-wing, like, conservative thing. And I don't really particularly think it is. I feel like it's how you see it. Like, I felt the Queen was quite a good feminist icon. Some people might say she isn't. But I, I like, a woman in power for so long, I feel like it is a positive thing. There are wealthy families everywhere, right? Yeah, I get it, they're wealthy. But the amount they bring in for tourism in our country outweighs how much their expenses are and um i think people forget that they're a very easy target so That's yeah I... good idea yeah there you, go, Maggie. there you go like i mean i am one of the first to criticize the monarchy i will say but at the same time it's like that scapegoat like mm-hmm. you know a lot of people really like the monarchy and so by creating a scapegoat in them like we're alienating a lot of one the English people and two we're also just allowing those people to be scapegoated you know like to like get away with you know the parts that they encourage yeah 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 absolutely and I think it goes back like you said with Jeff Bezos and people like that and from what again I'm not a royalist but from what I know the queen um the queen always paid her taxes through the income she'd get recording is on is it true she's gonna stop us Russia 
of the so funny if this stops. But I think we're good. I think that yeah, you're right. The CIA is on to us. They don't want us discussing Animal Farm. But they don't want us smoking weed on the internet. That's what it really is. Yeah. Weirdly, Maggie, I don't think this is the first time. They got your name on the list quite a few. <laughs> I was going to say, I actually, like, my internet search history and book downloads and the awful. How to bury a Republican. <laughs> hey, I have family members that are Republicans. I might not speak to them anymore. But I have to touch that's poor Philly. <laughs> Are we ready to move into the best segment of the whole general? I agree. It is such buck kill. Now let's pretend these aren't animals because that would be creepy. If so, let's think about what they represent. Not and like their characteristics, not their animalness, because at the end of the day, they do represent humans. I mean, the pigs literally turn into humans. So let's imagine that, that they are human beings, and we're going to play Sesh Buck Kill. Okay. So Sesh is someone you'd have a smoking sesh with. Yep. Kill is obviously burying your Republican relatives. And what's the other one? Fuck. Fuck. Right, okay. Fuck. Um, it's, it's based on uh, Mary Buck Kill. Oh, I don't know okay. if you've ever played that game. We decided that marrying was the most boring. Oh, yeah. Fuck that. It's sorry, to modern. A modern. I was gonna say sorry to my fiance. I apologize every time to him, but uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's boring. Just kidding. Um, so Savannah, would you like to go ahead and tell us who you would sesh fucking kill? Okay, so sesh. Do you remember at the beginning of the book, whenever you're first reading it, an old major like the big pig <laughs> is given like his first speech. I was so heartened by this speech. I loved it. I was roused. I was so into it. Um, so I would definitely want to sesh with him and like talk philosophy, talk theory. I'm looking for a motivational speech while I'm there. <laughs> so that's who I would want to sesh with. I think for fuck, obviously they're not an animal in this. I'm just talking about the caricature. Uh, but Boxer, I think, deserves to get a leg. Bro has absolutely fucked his whole life for the system he's working for, and I feel like he just deserves a little break, a little kind of. Savannah, I think this is your type. So one time we snuck out to. Now my dad's gonna hear this story. I was just telling him I should tell him the story. Um, we snuck. Well, we lied to my dad, not Savannah's parents, but we we went to the beach for spring break. Was not supposed to. Went for the beach for spring break, and this guy there, like, took total care of us. He was like, yeah, park in our driveway. You can sleep in our, our driveway. You can sleep in our house if you need. Like, you, and he was just taking care of everybody. He comes down. He's like, oh, the cops are coming. And all these people's parents are coming. Like, he's, like, warning everybody of everything. Drives by the next morning, like, hey, you guys get good sleep. Hey. Like, you know, just check. I can drive around the beach town checking on all the other kids. But he's a kid, too. I don't know. It was weird. Nice. But totally being a dad and it was great and savannah's like man i should totally fuck him he's just been so nice this whole time like he deserved like he's not had any fun this whole time he used to have some fun and i mean it never happened but like i remind her of that let's let's hope he was hung like a horse as well (laughs) right 
Like, just, and then this guy was being nice. And so I guess that's Savannah's thing is the hardworking, nice, nice guy. And he's like not taking any breaks and not taking care of himself. So I'm like, I gotta take care. That's yeah. nice. That's true. Actually, welcome. You're welcome. Wow. Business off. Wow. That way, just put out that. <laughs> you, you didn't have to incriminate yourself with that story, Maggie, to get to that point. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so then, who would I kill? Squealer. That dude's a bitch. That dude's a bitch. That's all I'm gonna say. He was, like, the right-hand man to Napoleon, right? He was, like, his little bitch boy. I really hated that. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Well, I also have a something for Boxer, but it's not getting late. I would smooth with Boxer. Because I feel like he needs to chill. He needs to, like, relax. Like, oh, just smoke along and or a joint or whatever a cbd cigarette relax with me take a chill pill you know maybe he wouldn't work so hard if he was stuck mm. i mean i actually end up cleaning a lot when i'm fine but like maybe he would like clean his own space instead of the farm you know mm. yeah so so boxer's not having a good day boxer's having a good day well <laughs> then you'll get him laid and then i'll get him stoned again or dylan get him stoned and so I will. They- there we go. It'll go boom, boom, boom. Good, good for Boxer. Good for Boxer. I would definitely fuck Mrs. Jones because I'm young and farmers stuff. Really? What's Mrs. She was like a, a background extra. She wasn't a character. What? She's in the book. She's mentioned, which means she's fair game. Okay, fine. Is it also to get at Mr. Jones, right? That's the yeah. name. Right, okay. Yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. And because farmers suck. Like, the farmer yeah. sucks. And so... Hey, he's like... lost his farm and his wife at the end of this. Fucking hell. Yeah. Rewind to, like you said, lose his farmer, er, farm and his wife. Like, I will take her to be queen of the farm. I will treat her much better. Yeah. I would treat her much better. I would... I would. He's probably never even made her come. Like... Hold on. Oh, from, probably from... not. No. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, and then I feel like I kill, I would kill the dogs. I mean. Wait, you'd kill the dogs? Oh, the, the, the guy dog. They're the cops. They were puppies. They were puppies. They weren't puppies. They were cops. Okay. I mean, not the puppies. They were, no. I'll be a puppy killer, okay? If nobody else kills cops, I'll kill the puppies. I'll kill the puppies. I'll kill the puppies. Oh my God. I mean, you guys. You can do it. You, could you do just it. said kill the puppies like three or four times. <laughs> now we've got pizza that's going to shut us down. Well done. <laughs> Who knew that this would be such a revolutionary cast? I really thought that this, I was like, when you said you wanted to do Animal Farm, I was really worried. I was like, dang it. I'm, I'm way too, pol- like I'm way too charged for this book here. Uh, but okay, Savannah's gonna, because Savannah shows this book right away. I mean. Savannah also chose Twilight, so I don't know what she's... What? I did not choose Twilight. Yeah, I kind of chose Twilight. You chose Twilight and The Hunger Games. Oh, did I? Look look at that scapegoat. She wanted big names for the pod. I did want big names for the pod. Okay, you're right. Um, I I just didn't realize I chose them, but also I would choose Twilight. Yes, I'm No, shame. But you chose chose Animal Farm. I did. I did choose Animal Farm because I... 
thought, again, that it was a short story about animals. It turned out to be a lot more boring than I thought it could possibly be to be a story about animals that was so short. But I'm interested, Dylan, what did, who do you think that you would sesh, fuck, and kill? So, um, yeah, sesh boxer, although I'm half tempted to have a threesome of him and choosing sex, but I feel like <laughs> he deserves it, you know, after that hard work. Uh, I would probably fuck Miss Jones just to be competition of Maggie. Um, I still think I'd win that competition, no offense, no. <laughs> I know what you want. <laughs> okay, and what's the other one? Um... Who are you going to kill? Ah, kill, yeah. Um, Who would I kill? See, I don't want to kill the dogs. I, I, I don't think Maggie could either. I feel like it's when people are like, oh, I could go back in time and kill Hitler. He's a baby. You can't kill a baby. Right. Um, <laughs> Hitler, there you go. There's a final nail in the coffin. <laughs> yeah, I, I would I would probably kill um Napoleon, I think. He's done enough bad things. Yeah, I wouldn't kill Hitler, but I'd kill Napoleon. Okay, good. There you go. Okay, fair enough. All right, ending out on our book readings. Does anyone want to go first? This book is a three out of five. It's it's revolutionary and cool. There's some good speeches or whatever, but it's boring. Okay. <laughs> good. I think that, so for some reason in our outline, I have it as a four out of five. As it sat with me, I'm going to lower that to a two out of five. It was fine. Uh, I don't know what I was thinking when I wrote this. It must have been like, I haven't read anything like this before, which I haven't, but it's lost its uh, impressive status. You're like, it's a classic. It's got to be four. It's got to be. Well, then I was comparing it with like the writing of Twilight, and I felt like it was much better than Twilight, even if it wasn't as compelling. So then I was rating it above that because I thought of myself as an academic, but now I understand that I am a basic bitch. I think when we're talking about the writing, like, it's even more boring than most people think New Moon is. Oh, my God. Well, we're not getting into Twilight in this kind of... We are not getting into Twilight. <laughs> me, me try to turn everything into Twilight. Okay, <laughs> moving on, moving on. Dylan, what did you rate this? Uh, I'm Team Jacob, by the way. I rate it... Um, I'm just going to leave that there. <laughs> um, I rate it... Uh, four out of five and it's not a five because it wasn't it wasn't positive at the end and if I'm I'm sort of reading as if I read it as a child I'm not reading it as an adult because I feel like I should have studied this at school um so I think I would have enjoyed it as a child actually if I'd actually bothered to read my life Uh, so yeah I feel like it could have had a better ending and I feel the Russian revolution thing is is a cop-out for hey look this is what it's like you could have chosen anything any period of history it literally could be any like working class or oppressed people. Yes. Um, yeah. Under a regime, like it could literally be any of them. So. I I just think he could have chosen something closer to home, being English, you know. Yeah, I, that is really interesting. And like, I didn't even think that he was necessarily English. Like, he doesn't write like a super Englishly like in it blood in it. Yeah, like I I didn't gas gr- grasp like there's no. Bloody hell. Uh, well, no. There's, there's none of that. And so I didn't, like, expect him to be English, especially, like, given that it was, like, I knew it was Russian revolutionary. Like, and, and I mean, U.S., there's more things close to home, but, like, at least we had, like, the Cold War with Russia and stuff like that. So I was thinking he was, like, an American citizen. So Savannah taught me something today. 
I'm here for something. <laughs> what I was saying, like, I low-key thought that, like, learning about the authors would be boring. I was like, oh, Savannah's making me learn shit. Yeah. Oh, oh, I just want to read. Oh, I'll learn. And then I learned something new. I mean, say that. Person going deep into theory. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I didn't want to learn anything. Okay. I, I just want to read my smut, but here when you learn stuff. I feel like in our podcast, the, the poet introduction is probably the best bit. I find it the best bit than the actual poem. Like, I'm so intrigued on who these people are because it's like, you know, who deserves your time to read something? It's quite an actual, like, it's like doing stand-up comedy. It's like going on stage. You're going, you all deserve my attention. And I think authors do that as well. It's pretty out there, isn't it? So it's really interesting to learn about people. Oh, there you go. More further deepening my appreciation for this the segment savannah came up with that again i was anti but i like it now like i'm not i'm not hating on it actually i'm just saying like you changed my mind savannah i'm actually applauding it if you really think about it thank you a couple bullet points a little wiki search it goes a long way i mean i really don't think i would have thought about it from like an english perspective and dylan you're right like there's a lot of like things with England, like specifically, like not every country has as deep of a worker's history as England does. So, yeah, way I feel like, and there's actually like multiple authors that are this season that do that, that like kind of like pin it on something weird. We'll get into that. We uh do the House by the Cerulean Sea episode. Um, so definitely listeners, keep an eye out for that one because we get into his whole what it's about and it's very weird. So I just think maybe sometimes authors should shut up and let their work speak for itself. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Just just leave it to interpretation, you know? Yeah. Just let it let it lie. Let people interpret it how they will. Um actually I just did a podcast episode and I like went deep into like my inspiration for a couple poems and I was like, like wait this. Like I want people to just yeah. take whatever they want from this. Like yeah. I don't yeah. see when people see themselves. Yeah, comedy is the opposite. You have to explain yourself, or you get cancelled. Yeah, well, this is this is the reason I did this joke because, like, and and to be fair, like, I I feel like sometimes you can take it out of context, um, yeah. and you go, actually, that does sound worse than what I mean it to, uh, or what it sounds like, and I think that's why it's really important to tell people. Uh, I do a lot of audience testing though, to be honest. Uh, I'm very lucky with my friends, um, who are like, yeah, don't do that one. And I'm like, oh, you just saved me there. Thank you. That's great. Dylan is a very thoughtful, like well thought out, like not necessarily thoughtful. I'm just saying, I'm just kidding. Dylan is a well thought out uh, comedian, so definitely listen to his podcast. Thank you. I've never been described like that before. That's amazing. Well thought out. He's well thought out. <laughs> um. Well, you are. You are. It takes a lot. Come up with some some good jokes, some poems on the fly. He says he dumps himself down for his podcast, but he's still hilarious. It still comes up with some fun insight, makes you think. So definitely check out um, the I Hate Poetry podcast. Um, I have a few episodes on there. So if you want to dip your toes in with a familiar host, then by all means, um, not to plug myself, but, um, but, you know, as a nice intro. Dylan, is there anything else that you want people to know about you or anywhere else they can find you? Yes, uh, you can find myself on dinnerjkershaw.co.uk. Uh, I'm also doing a new series that's coming out in the next few months called Lyrics Dissected, 
uh, where we dissect lyrics from like 2010s noughties songs and some of those classic ones some of those lyrics are fucking weird so uh, we're doing a comedy series on that uh, and yeah I'm excited to put that out um, that's for a friend of mine called Jack he's also a comedian so yes that's coming out soon awesome and I will link uh, all the stuff for his podcast and stuff in the notes of this show so definitely check out his social media and his website all that stuff um, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at bakes.am.bookish you can also find me uh, at maggie.writes on TikTok and Instagram I love the periods apparently really do so definitely reach out to us give us any book suggestions anything like that savannah what are we reading next week next week we're taking on two books by madeline miller called song of achilles and circe so we're gonna have fun with that one um i feel like one of those is savannah's like favorite books so definitely tune in for that we're also smoking like five lights so um stoned so uh have fun so definitely join us next week um find us on socials and we can't wait to talk to you guys again soon bye bye, bye. <laughs> you're not gonna notice me is it